So if Leo played him in the movie, then everyone would just love him. Just be like, catch me if you can, too. Yes, but in reality, it would be like Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's an That's it's an insane lyric. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh. See, sh- I, see, shows how much I know. Yeah. As usual. As usual. Who are you? What is this? I'm Lindsay Tucker. Who is that other voice we just heard? I'm Evie Rubenstein. We're your, ho- your normal hosts, your regular, regular get down hosts. But <laughs> this week, for our 50th episode, Woo-hoo! we have an extremely special guest. The one the only the producer of the boy band con the lou perlman story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the boy band con, con the lou the perlman, perlman story colon, it colon. Was like a big debate oh was there, there oh yes so there this is actually this whole episode is about just the colon the inner workings of youtube premium the boy band con colon the lou perlman story Matthew Charles Ducey. Hello, thank you. Sorry, I shouldn't have. I just got so excited by the digital get down joke that I talked before I should have. I know how podcasts work, so I apologize. That's okay. <laughs> um, so, Matt, who are? Tell us who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, well, I'm Matt, obviously, um, and uh, I'm a writer and a producer, um, and I am obsessed with. Uh, people like Lou Perlman. So like the whole resurgence of like the criminality, your Elizabeth Holmes's, your WeWorks. I'm like very excited with like a fraudster. And then also like plus boy bands. So like I was working at a production company called Pilgrim and Lou Perlman died. And I said to my weirdest friend who I worked with, um, we, why isn't there a documentary about this creepy man who like scammed people out of their money and then also created the Backstreet Boys in O-Town and NSYNC. And they were like, oh, well, no one's ever done it. So then we just, we did it. So that's kind of what, that's kind of how this came about. Yeah. uh, (laughs) And so this should surprise you not at all. But today we're going to be talking about Lou Pearlman, the Lou Pearlman story, and specifically, specifically the song Step by Step by New Kids on the Block and how that changed the course of music history forever. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I realize this has been a disastrous intro, and I keep jumping the gun on everything, <laughs> no, but that's I okay. It. I love okay. everything about it. Uh, listeners, did you enjoy our April Fool's joke last week of not posting an episode? <laughs> and not posting anything. And not posting anything about not posting an episode? <laughs> not even like a picture? Nope. Like a, like no. we okay. promised, like a black square? We nothing? promised them a very special episode, and then we did nothing. We did literally nothing. But this is, this is probably going to be a two-parter episode. This is the rise of Lou Pearlman. Let's go. All right, Matt. Let's do it. Tell us some stuff. Ask us some questions. Tell us some tales. Okay. So I guess we can just start. Like, do you want to know who Lou Pearlman is? Just as a, he was born in the Bronx. Okay. In New York, obviously, from a long time ago. So he's like that classic, like, Bronx tale, like, playing stickball, like, in the street. And always dreamed of, like, 
glimpse and like the sky and we're like I had all of these like big dreams and like so he was like constantly like coming up with like money schemes and like using like selling stocks from a fake like he invented a fake company when he was like 11 and went door to door in his apartment building and just sold fake stocks to this fake company to his neighbors wait so okay but what did this okay I already have questions yes what did this fake company do it was the it was a fake airline Okay. So, like, which he would eventually, you know, bring to fruition later. But uh, so, yeah. okay. So he's knocking. He was. He's in this. He's in his apartment building, and he's knocking on doors. And this eleven-year-old is like, "I own an airline company." Yes. <laughs> C- can I have four dollars or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, people are like, "Sure, kid." Yeah. And they gave him money. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, and then I the the biggest thing is I think the biggest like example of his childhood was like the we call it the paper boy story so he basically all the kids because it's like new york everybody has a paper route and all the kids had a paper route so lou perlman gets involved with this paper route and he realizes that he can buy out the other kids paper routes and then so he starts buying them out so like hey i'll give you x amount of money and i'm gonna run your route now and so he's basically just doing like corporate buyouts at like 10 years old and is running all of the uh, paper routes for everybody. So he's employing the neighbor kids as his like runners and then like paying them less than they'd make if they had their own thing. So he had like a whole scheme. <laughs> like he, he claimed that like he made a deal with Dunkin' Donuts so that like he would give everybody like their paper with whatever their coffee and donut order was. That's genius. And would just, yeah, it's like a little like businessman genius kid just going around like full customer service, like 10 years old. Uh, we should probably say that sources for this episode come Come from Lou Pearlman's book *Bands, Brands, and Billions*, as well as Matt's own documentary, *The Boy Band Con*. And my brain. And his own, yeah. So Matt is, has encyclopedic knowledge of this, so there will be fewer direct quotes in this episode than than usual. Um, fun fact, though, in the Lou Pearlman book, it is a almost like chapter for chapter ripoff of Trump's book, *The Art of the Deal*. Like they're pretty much the same. He even talks about Trump in this book because they're like old oh, New York guys, so it's. It's, everyone's in all the crooks are together everyone's in the family and so in his book he ad, does he admit to like selling fake stocks for a fake airline Is yeah it, it's like a cute story at the because it's like oh like i'm a kid and so like i'm just you know it's i mean if you're an adult person and a child comes to you and with a stock i think it's on your own fault if you're giving them money <laughs> you know i feel like that's on you that is true that is true okay but yeah, so where are we? So yeah, so like Lou was like a child, right? Growing up in the Bronx. He went to community college and he basically was like average, but just claimed that he was like, he's an average person who, person who believes he's exceptional, like one of those people. Mm-hmm. And so like really always like big dreams, like, but it's like Queens Community College. Like it's nothing like remarkable. Um, but he basically realized that all of the people traveling from like, Manhattan to Jersey or Jersey to Manhattan there's like everyone's stuck on the tunnel it's a bridge and tunnel so when he finally gets to be like of an adult age he he dreams of like how do we transport people quickly from like Manhattan to Jersey and so the reason that like short-term helicopter ferries exist is Lou Pearlman like he's the one who came up with the idea of like what if I charter a helicopter from JFK or LaGuardia and we can just charge people per ride just to like Jersey or like Long Island or whatever so like that short-term like rich person helicopter thing. I did not know that okay so wait a minute how much do these things cost 
I don't know back then, but it was it was like premium. It's like kind of what it would cost now to just like jump on the plane or like jump on the helicopter, like Jeez. to f- fly to like Orange County. How did he get one? He basically just ran. A, it, it's like wasn't hard back then. It's just one plane and or one helicopter, and then you just charter it. Just like a you just get your pilot's license and just so, run it. So he was, but he so he was flying these helicopters. He was not flying the helicopters. Okay. He had to get his aviation license or whatever you know you had to do. But he would just yeah he would just have pilots like charter these these helicopters. Oh, crazy. Okay. Yeah. So he's chartering helicopters, and he is how old? Or- he, he's like in his twenties. So still like a very young entrepreneur. So like the thing is, it's one of those things where like if he wouldn't have been a criminal, he had a lot of great ideas. Okay. You know, and like was like would have made a lot of legitimate money. <laughs> so like yeah, there was even there's even at one point like later where you look at it and it's like had he just at one moment in his life decided to just go in legitimate, like nobody knew about the scheme, he could have just paid everybody off, nobody would have ever known. And he would have it would have been completely fine. He could have just paid everything back, paid everybody off, but he's greedy. And so he didn't. And then he got caught. I'm very interested in hearing what the scheme is. So if Leo played him in the movie, then everyone would just love him. Just be like, catch me if you can, too. Yes. But in reality, it would be like Philip Seymour Hoffman. (laughs) 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 Because they look very much alike. I was very sad when Philip Seymour Hoffman died because I was like, where's the biopic? Because I need to see it. Okay, but there's like a new there's a new Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's crack Damon or meth Damon. Who's that guy? Wait, what? Do you mean Philip Seymour Hoffman's son? No. Is that his son? Jesse Plemons? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, he is. You know what? He is nouveau. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, isn't the... he? I'm like, oh, he's just filling the hole yeah, that David. was left behind by Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> I thought you meant Cooper Hoffman, who basically plays like a Lou Perlman-esque person in Licorice Pizza, oh. where he's like a 15-year-old entrepreneur like selling waterbeds and trying to yeah. fuck a 25-year-old. Is that Philip Seymour Hoffman's son? Yeah, yeah. Cooper Hoffman. Between him and Jack Quaid, we got everybody, man. Margaret <laughs> Qualley. It's good time to have uh, famous Wyatt, parents. Wyatt Russell. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jack. Is his name Jack Quaid? Yeah. The little Quaid looks exactly like uh, Joshua Jackson. Oh. Joshua Jackson. He does. That is very true. <laughs> okay. This is uh, every every episode's about Dawson's Creek somehow. <laughs> is it? Yes. Um, okay, so he's chartering helicopters. He's chartering helicopters, he's making his money, and now he's got his eye on blimps. So when he was a child... Blimps? Yes. So like Goodyear blimps. Goodyear blimps. So when he was a child, he and his best friend, Alan Gross, used to go to the airport and watch the blimps take off. And he got his first job working for Goodyear, like being the guy who like unties the thing. Like the man was obsessed with blimps, thought they were the greatest thing. I forgot about blimps. Yeah. Like oh, that was never going to... I was never going to remember that again. That was a black hole in my brain. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk a lot about blimps today. See, I'm from <laughs> Ohio in Canton and the Goodyear factory is like the headquarters is like 20 minutes from my house so like my whole life is blimps so like this like it made a lot of sense to me i was like blimps are yeah, i get it i get it so he's obsessed with blimps he works i am so sorry to take us on a tangent but like what is a blimp besides like a hot air balloon that's a plane okay like, what well, was the purpose we're gonna get there Okay. We're gonna get there. This is okay. this is how she is with me. So too. the the initial purpose was just like I don't know slow transportation, and I think you would put shit in blimps. Like they would like transpose stuff too. They were like like industrial blimps, almost like cargo planes, so you could like transfer stuff. But mostly they were just for like <laughs> slow moving <laughs> transpose. Was Operation Dumbo Drop in a blimp? No, that's a plane and an elephant okay. and a parachute. <laughs> So wrong. A parachute. Okay. That's a three for three. Kinda You're blimpy. wrong on that. 
kind of blimpy a parachute. Yes. Okay. So, okay. Wait. Okay. I'll stop. So, Go no, ahead. please. No, <laughs> I, I need your help because, okay, so he is so obsessed with blimps that, that his first, let's say, legitimate job. Yes. Is untying the blimps. Yes, from the from, from the blimpery. From the, and he used, he tells a story where he used to look out his window, and at the airport he could see the window in Queens, and he would watch the blimps take off. And it's his like origin story. Like there's like a whole chapter of it in this stupid book. Like it's a big like romantic like watch the pl- the blimps take off every morning. And I want to of... do okay. So let me pitch you this one, the Lou Pearlman musical, because I can hear the like let's go fly a blimp. Let's song go fly a my, blimp, and yeah. then blimps, blimps, blimps. <laughs> Um, and then, like... It's a lovely day for a blimp ride. It's a lovely day for a blimp ride. Um, inflate my love or whatever. That's, like, the big romance number. Um, the Hindenburg, we can do, like, a like a throwback. It's my favorite blimp, but... Okay. Okay. It's because it crashed. Cause it cra- All right. So he loves blimps. Loves and, blimps. And he turns his attention from helicopters to blimps. To blimps. So he gets a business loan, and there's like a, a commercial grade blimp that you can buy. So instead of paying for a real blimp because he didn't have any money, he bought this like shitty old like weather balloon blimp kind of thing that is not meant for any flying or anything and just had it retrofitted to like look like an, a real blimp and so that was his first like legitimate blimp and to like carry people yes no not to carry people this was just to like have blimps like out and about <laughs> there were no people on these blimps wait okay so he used this weather balloon retrofitted to look like a blimp to just be like hey everybody look i got a blimp. i got a blimp but then it crashed immediately <laughs> Because it's obviously so. There's there's video footage of it like going down. It was on the news. Did it have his name on it? Okay, so here's his idea, and this is why this man is a genius. Because he is the first person to decide. Okay, what do we use blimps for? We should just slap a fucking logo on the side, and that's advertising. Right. But he but yeah. but Goodyear already existed. But Goodyear just advertised Goodyear. Like on oh, the Goodyear so blimp, sh- there was no McDonald's logo. Oh, so there he would just no... sell ad space like yes. at a. So he's the first person game. to figure out you could just advertise on the side of blimps. It's like a billboard. And that, yeah, and that was his big. Or it's like, like the plane idea. at the Jersey Shore that's like he, come uh, to Kathmandu. He, he has a story where I guess he was like pitching the like <laughs> CEO of McDonald's or whatever in his office and like opened up, he opened up his windows and he had had like. Uh, a drawing like made of like the McDonald's blimp like in the sky as like his big like ad sales to get McDonald's to like like a Don pay. Draper he's like yeah he's like it's f- toasted full madman yeah. like yeah and so McDonald like he had a McDonald's blimp he had a MetLife blimp like with like the Snoopy remember MetLife mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. yeah so he was like the first person to invent like blimp advertising so when he basically he made his like fake hot air balloon not hot air balloon he made his blimp that he like made out of that crappy, like, weather balloon. And it was for Jordash, the sexy jean company, if you remember, uh, like, from the 80s and 90s. And he, Jordash, wanted it gold. And so he painted it with, like, heavy gold paint. And because the paint was so heavy, it brought the blimp down. And that is why the blimp crashed, is because the paint, because he needed it to be gold and didn't want to spend the money to, like, do it the right way. So he just, like, painted it. So he's cutting corners and then cutting corners again. Again, and then cutting more corners and then it... (laughs) Then committing insurance fraud. Good evening. It was billed as the ultimate weapon in the Great Jeans War. 
A spanking new blimp commissioned to flash the name Jordash. It ran afoul of gusting winds. Laced across the pine trees, the ship's helium bag painted with $50,000 worth of real gold. I think Lou's intent was to commit insurance fraud right from the get-go. Lou had had the blimp insured for $3 million. And, you know, as I said, he bought it for $10,000. You know, maybe he added some stuff to it. And it had a crash so that he could uh, actually put in an insurance claim. So when the blimp crashes, right, he tells the insurance company, my Cadillac blimp just crashed. Well, this was like a piece of crap blimp that he like sewed together with string, but the insurance company never came out and inspected it. So they gave him, uh, like they paid him out for like a fancy, fancy blimp that he never owned. So he used that <laughs> money to buy a real blimp to then get advertising for his blimp business. Do we think that he crashed that first blimp on purpose? I don't think he's smart enough to have crashed or, it on purpose. He would never da- He would never hurt a blimp like he that. He would never hurt a blimp. He would never let a blimp go down like that. <laughs> not our, not our boy. No way. Um, but yeah. So then then he started this like legitimate like blimp advertising business, and it was like this huge. He became an actual like businessman, and he had this like company. It was Transatlantic Airlines is the name of the company. So like he would just do his helicopter charters, and he would do his like blimps and stuff. And that he was like a legitimate businessman, and that and was the all the blimps are doing is advertising for companies. Yep. They're just like going up, flying around. They're flying around right sports stadiums, like, and maybe it's just me because the blimps are such a part of my like. I it was such a like a aha moment to be like, oh my god, yeah, somebody did have to think of that. Yeah, and it was this gross weirdo that and like. <laughs> I also like this might be like like Mandela effect, but like I can picture like watching a sports game on TV and seeing like a McDonald's blimp yeah. above, the, and that was him. Mm-hmm. Was the okay? Did he ever have any competition? I don't think so. <laughs> it seems like a pretty small market because we did talk to some blimp people, and all the blimp people know each other. Like when we were doing the documentary, we were like, trying, "There's some weird Germans that like are involved with like some dark money stuff that we kept like trying to get a hold of." But like, there's like a blimp community, and it's like 50 people, and like so blimps are still going on. Blimps are still going on, and what's crazy about this whole story <laughs> is that like the blimp community is like 50 people, but the NSYNC Backstreet Boys, Lou Pearlman community is like 75. So it is like the smallest group of people that all know each other that are all directly related to. This, this, like, these like massive events. It's and wild. he's the linchpin of and all he's these he's the linchpins people. of all of it. Oh my God. Okay, so ostensibly this show that, that you're on right now is mm-hmm. about music. Yes. How do we get from blimps to music? So Lou Pearlman's doing his little plane charters and he's doing his helicopter charters and he's doing his McDonald's blimps. And this little band called New Kids on the Block charters one of his planes and it is very expensive to charter a plane and lou perlman says like who are these children like what do they do that they're able to afford this private plane and they were like oh they're a boy band and he was like what's that and so their big song was step by step and so that song came out and kind of launched the full like boy band explosion and so it was like the perfect time and they were making a ton of money and he was like i gotta get into this business when did it come out? So New Kids on the Block came out in 1986. Six. But Step by Step wasn't on that record. No. Or no, wait, Step by Step in 90. Oh, st- <laughs> uh, it's called Step by Step. Title of the song. What about The Right Stuff? It's the only New Kids on the Block song I remember. I don't know. Maybe, it was, maybe that was on an earlier one or a later one. But yeah, Step by Step was like the big. Uh, the Right Stuff was from Hangin' Tough in 88. 88. So yeah, that was first, and then Step by Step was their like big. So Lou Pearlman saw this, it was like, let's, I got to get me a boy band. 
So Step by Step came out in 1990. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's take a listen to Step by Step by New Kids on the Block. Step by Step. Ooh, baby. Gonna get to you, girl. Step by Step. This choreography. I could just spend the next 90 minutes talking about Don Wahlberg if we wanted to. Let's do it. I love I love he's my favorite Wahlberg. We could we can do a little tangent on Donnie Wahlberg. When you got your Jordan Knight, you got uh, the other ones. Joey McIntyre. Joey McIntyre. So we should also say that like New Kids on the Block is doing a variation of like New Edition or Bell Bib DeVoe. Like this is the blue-eyed soul of this boy band thing where we have a bunch of good-looking white guys Mm -hmm. that are doing what... And this is like directly, as most things do, directly following like a series of like black hip-hop groups and black boy bands that came out right before this. And And we're doing this this first. Because they're handsome This sounds like Bobby Brown to me. 100%. Early... Yeah, so they're basically ripping off that. It's before they, they, they stole a lot from like that kind of like hip-hop stuff and like before they really got to Max Martin and you're like NSYNC Backstreet Boys, like that full like pop machine stuff. Like before it was more like R&B. Yeah, this sounds R&B-E, more R&B-E than like a, like yeah. a Backstreet Boy 808 drums or whatever the fuck they, drum machine they used. Um but we've seen this in a bunch of episodes that we've done, which is that like black artists do this largely to black audiences, and then a white group does something maybe almost as good, maybe not quite as good, but it goes like massively popular mm-hmm. because it's now all of a sudden very palatable. See also, white yeah, white for white people, people. Yep. right? See also our "You've Lost That Love and Feeling" episode. <laughs> So like Donnie Wahlberg looks extremely out of place. Yeah. Well, so did Mark Wahlberg. Like, you look at the Funky Bunch. He he doesn't look in place there. The Wahlbergs are never. They're not the Baldwins. They can't blend in. <laughs> we will also do a Good Vibrations Mark Wahlberg episode one day and just talk about all the hate crimes he did. Listen, he may have a little anger issue. Yeah. Like, not his fault. I mean, it kind of is. That guy can't see very well anymore. I cannot see very well anymore. Yes, I do, girl. The song is also incredibly long. Yeah, it has no business being four and a half minutes. 
Well, I mean, there was no internet, so people had more time. <laughs> you could spend four and a half minutes just listening to something. I read that New Kids on the Block was very accommodating to their child fans and their parents and would, like, put them up in hotels and get them snacks and shit. I didn't know that. Well, I su- good for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not like those, not like those other artists that like groom their child fans. So Lou is Lou. Lou charters a a plane, a mm-hmm. real plane, not a blimp. Yes, a real for plane. new kids on the block. Mm-hmm. He's like, who the fuck are these children that are rich enough to charter my plane? Yes, they're like, we're new kids on the block, and he listens to step by step. Yes. And he says, I'm going to make a boy band. I'm going to get into the music business. I know nothing about the music business, but I'm a rich white businessman from New York. So I'm going to do, I believe I know best. And that's what he did. <laughs> and it, But okay, because he just loved the music? No, because he saw how much money they were making uh-huh. in merchandising and touring and all of this stuff. Because like New Kids was like selling out stadiums. Like they had dolls. They, it's like your first big wave of like that. And so he saw all the money being made and was like, I can make that money too. This can't be that hard that to just put some people together. He and could like, self-deal, right? Because he's chartering the planes so he can just pay himself for that too. Yeah. And del- then he can del- just del- start a record label because he just decided to. So he had transatlantic uh, airlines. And so then he just started transatlantic records, which was nothing. It was just him. But so he basically started his own record label. But there's also Atlantic records. Yes. This is transatlantic records. And he basically decided that he could just control the whole process. So like he could be the publisher. He could be the artist manager. He could be the talent scout. He could be the producer and just keep all of the money. So you don't have to pay anybody to do it. And so that was his big like thing. Okay. So, so, so where does he go from here? So where everybody goes, Florida, Orlando. Aha. <laughs> that's where your, that's where your house is. Your Airbnb. I have a house there. I do. It's um, the worst place in the world to me, but I, other people like it. It's not for me. <laughs> it's not for me either. I just got it because uh, there's a little Lou Perlman inside me, I guess. I guess, yeah. You can make some money in Orlando. <laughs> I, yeah. Wait wait until you hear the end of the story before you say that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, basically, he decided to just start this record company. So, he goes to Orlando. And Orlando was basically, like, affordable Hollywood at the time. So, like... Yeah, because wasn't Universal there? Like, yes. all the Nickelodeon shows Universal, and shit? Disney, Nickelodeon. So, like, if if Los Angeles was, like, too expensive and you maybe, like, you were more of, like, a sing and dance kid, like, your parents would take you to Orlando. And so, there's this huge child star, like, Disney, like, Mickey Mouse Club. Like, this is at the time when, like, Mickey Mouse Club is going. So, like, Orlando is just, like, a hot spot for just, like, young kids trying to, like, make it in entertainment going to auditions at the mall going to auditions at the mall and he can like big league them because because a la kid who can who's a song and dance kid their parents are probably gonna they're a little more sad they're gonna have an entertainment lawyer not spoiler alert not one person had an entertainment lawyer other than i think nikki deloche from his girl group all these people he signed none of them had real lawyers like i think lance bass's mom had their like accountant lawyer or somebody look at like it's just like a friend of a friend that's like does anybody know a lawyer can you look over this music recording contract for my child everyone was just like having their dad look at this these these contracts and stuff so there's this there's this thing in the paper in like the 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 
I don't know, Orlando personals or whatever. So you could put out ads for like talent scouts. So Lou Perlman put an ad out in this like talent thing and AJ McLean's mom saw it and like contacted Lou. And so he started this like little audition process. And so it was all like each boy band member almost like a weird like cult thing like each one recruited basically like somebody else so like aj knew kevin because kevin was like doing like costume guy stuff at uh universal or disney world or something so like the older one no kevin uh that's britney spears oh that's britney spears kevin the old one (laughs) kevin from the backstreet boys Kevin Richardson, sorry. Kevin Richardson. Kevin Richardson. Okay. He's the he's the old one. He's the one everyone's like that. There was like a thirty five year old man in this group, um, and AJ knew Brian from like the like theme park amusement biz, and so Lou was able to put them together, um, and then they brought in well, oh, then they brought in Nick Carter, uh, and so they had their little kind of like group, and he basically had this he this like blimp hangar and that is where like everybody he basically did like backstreet Bo- or basically boy band boot camp and so he had all of them come to this like abandoned blimp hangar it was like florida in the summer like 150 degrees there was no air conditioning and they would just like sing and dance all day and do like boot camp stuff because he got uh johnny wright if you're familiar with johnny wright are you familiar with johnny wright no I'm not. So Johnny Wright is basically, he's, like, if you watched a lot of early 2000s reality TV, he's, like, always around. (laughs) Um, But he always wears, like, a black baseball cap. But he starred, he was, like, the manager. He worked with Diddy a lot. He did all the making the band stuff, Danity Kane, Backstreet Boys. He's the Backstreet Boys' original manager, Johnny Wright. So he brought in Johnny Wright, um, and they kind of, like, just put them all into, like, boot camp. And it was literally just, like, they all, he, he had this weird house, and they all lived in this house. And it was just every day they would just go and do like nine hours a day of just like rehearsals, rehearsals, rehearsals um, until they like got to be some sort of shape of something. They had like three songs on like a weird mall EP or whatever. How old are they at this point? They are 16 to like, I think Kevin is like 21, but like they're the youngest is like 16 to like 21 ish. So like a lot of people have like need their parents there right legally <laughs> are their parents living in this house too no depending on what depending on the member some of them were with their parents some of them were not so like like uh younger kids like uh, to skip to nsync like justin and lance lived with their parents in their houses because they were like 16 but like the rest of them like if you were over 18 like you were in the house so it's more than one band yes lou perlman is like uh do you remember do you know L- lfo too Light funky yeah, ones. Abercrombie and Fitch. Fitch. That's Lou Pearlman. Um, they had a group girl. He had a girl group called uh, Innocence um, that Britney Spears famously was dying to join. And like all she wanted to do was be in his girl group, but her management wouldn't let her be in a girl group. They were like, you need to be a solo artist. And so like. Jesus. Things could have been very different for a girl, Britney. But I don't know if they were. I don't know if they would have been, been better. better but, <laughs> they would have yeah. just been different. Okay, but. At first, it's just Backstreet Boys. Just Backstreet Boys. So it's like Lou Pearlman and these like couple guys just like created specifically to compete with New Kids on the Block, or or to be the next New to Kids be the on next New Kids on right. the Block because like New Kids on the Block happened and then grunge happened. So like there's this like weird like it's happening at the same time. So like as one thing is fading out, the other thing's ramping up. So like he get new as New Kids is on the rise, your like early 90s stuff is like going down. So we're in like 93 now, 94. Um and so like the boy band stuff is like the pop music stuff is just starting to come up. So he was like I can make all this money doing this. So grunge, so New Kids on the Block step by step is 1990. Grunge starts in earnest in like 1990, 1991. Yeah. And so the R and B pop 
of new kids is fading. Grunge is rising. Grunge is rising. And so Lou creates Backstreet Boys to be like, well, we haven't had this To be the death pop. knell of grunge, yeah. basically. So grunge was like a very short, like, you think it's, you, I think you, people think of it as longer, but it really wasn't that long of like a time period It's of like music. five years. Yeah, it's like yeah. not that long. So like that pop music really came in and just like Thanks to Lou. Thanks to Lou, yeah. Bands like Backstreet Boys and then, you know, quickly following Backstreet Boys, you have like Dream and Bewitched and Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and the whole thing just kind of like kicks off. By like 96, 97, you're in like full... Grunge is dead. Full pop explosion, like MTV, like we're about to be there. It's like Carson Daly, that whole kind of like thing. (laughs) We are so close to Carson, you don't even know. And grunge also like morphs into like new metal, weirdly. Like the grunge kids start listening to like bands like Korn, Marilyn Manson, Limp Bizkit, because they have nowhere else to go. I heard the term butt rock. Butt rock. Yes. That's my turn. Is that your turn? Yes, it is. Okay. It's my favorite term. I don't think I heard it from you, though. Someone took it from you. Hell yeah. (laughs) It's out there. Butt rock. Butt rock. Okay. So... We're in Backstreet Boys boot camp. It's 1993, 1994. We've got these kids. They're working nine hours. Are they going to school? There's like set, like, you know, set teachers. And then over 18, like, no. Okay. They are working like part-time jobs and shit, though, because like no (laughs) one's got any money. (laughs) Like we are broke. So wait, Lou's not paying them? Oh, God. Lou didn't pay him ever. (laughs) No. Oh, yeah. No, they're making like minimum. They're making like scale. They're making like 20. They're making like per diems. They made per diems for like years and years before they ever got. Because like, you know, like the record label thing. They're like, we recoup. We pay for you all up front. So you don't make any money till we recoup all the costs from putting up the money to make your album and do your tour. So like, it's not unusual to not see any money. Right. It's the the Hollywood accounting or whatever. Okay, so we're so they're working part time jobs. They're some of them are living in this Lou Pearlman house. Mm-hmm. They're they're singing and dancing nine hours a day. They're like, we have an album, let's do it. Johnny Wright connected Lou to this Swedish DJ named Dennis Pop, and Dennis Pop's biggest like contribution to the world is he brought in Max Martin, who was like a nobody kind of Swedish like music producer at the time. Um, and Max Martin is like one of the most prolific songwriters of like all time he will you'll know him from every pop hit me song baby on one more radio. time bit, but even like all your taylor swift songs all your Katy perry song like now to this day he's still if like you looked at the top billboard 100 i'm certain he has like a bunch of songs on there still it's wild how much he like ended up doing but it's all because of lou perlman like he discovered like because of the backstreet boys max martin was able to get to him like max martin's music was able to come to america and like so who so, this so he was in Sweden. Who was he in Sweden that Lou Perlman's like, I need this guy? So he was working for Dennis Pop, who was the Swedish DJ. And so when Johnny Wright connected Dennis Pop with Lou to make music, Dennis was like, oh, great. I have Max Martin with me. We're like, he's like my mentee or whatever. And then Dennis Pop dies. So then it's just Max Martin. And so that's kind of how that progression works. But so he was he a nobody. Starts, nobody. Absolutely and nobody. it just so happens that he's like the greatest. A pops. genius. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. This is like a weird, I hate using the term perfect storm, but it's like. It really, truly is. Like, that man is an absolute genius. And there's just, it's just off circumstance, like, that he was. And we just accidentally get the greatest songwriter. Of all time. Right. Basically. Okay. Yeah. So I just read that in December 2021, he tied late Beatles producer George Martin for the most number one hits in the U.S. among producers. It's the Martins, man. The Martins. <laughs> if your last name's Martin, then you're like gonna be somebody. <laughs> the most what 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 does he hold? The most number one hits in the US. Of all time. 
Yes. Jesus Christ. Produced. And George Martin was worked with the Beatles. Yeah. And George R.R. Yeah. R. Martin makes bad science fiction fantasy. Fantasy. I have never seen I've never seen Game of Thrones, so <laughs> I, I have a lot of hot takes on Game of Thrones, but just to be obstinate. Great. I, I didn't really I've never seen a single episode. I used to read the recaps just to so that I know enough to piss people off when I have like hot takes. But Love that. I don't I don't watch it either. Anyway, that's <laughs> off track. But so basically Lou is like, they're getting some songs. They got this like shitty little album together. So they're like, this is the time of like Tiffany had just happened. Debbie Gibson. So they're like, we're going to do a mall tour. So they do a mall tour. Nobody cares. Like it is like the saddest thing ever. They're just doing these sad like stadium tours. There's a bunch of videos of them in like high school gyms, just doing their little Backstreet Boys songs. And a bunch, all these kids are just like, I don't. I'm at school. Like, I don't know what this is. I want to see that. But there's this weird phenomena that exists in the mid-90s where, like, I, I don't know if it still happens today, but you test music out in Germany before you bring it to America. So, like, if you do well in Germany, then, like, it'll eventually, like, the trend will hit America. So what he did is he sent the Backstreet Boys to Germany, and they toured in Europe. And that is where they became popular for the first time. And that is where they were able to get success in the European market till they were finally brought back over to America. And they were able to kind of like actually start like getting a little bit of traction. How long did they tour Germany before coming back to America? I was probably, I think, like a year. So a not insignificant. Not an insignificant. Not an insignificant amount of time. And Lou, Lou did that with every single one of his bands. That was his formula: like get them together, send them to Germany, have them tour like Europe for a while, and then have them come back. Well, you know who started that trend? Who? The Beatles. The Beatles. Yeah. We mention the Beatles in every episode, and people get mad at us. I. Yeah. Well, should I save my hot takes no, on the Beatles? Take. I don't love the Beatles. I don't love the Beatles either. I think I think the loving the Beatles is directly related to who your dad is and like what your dad likes. Truly, because yeah. like if Very your dad true. was a Beatles guy, then like you love the Beatles. My dad wasn't a Beatles guy. Neither was mine. Stones, Elton John, Neil Diamond, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Neil Diamond. That explains a lot about you. Eagles. Chuck Ducey. Chuck Ducey, man, jamming. Um, his, also, his favorite song is Tub Thumping. Shout out, Chuck. We did a Tub Thumping episode. Favorite song of all time. He thinks it's, I've never seen the man laugh, cry. Like, he thinks it's the greatest thing that ever happened. And I just. We did a whole Tub Thumping episode. Well, please send him our episode. <laughs> yeah. I will, yeah. Ch Chuck Ducey. Does Chuck Ducey know what a podcast is? He's heard of it. <laughs> he's on Facebook. He's, 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 he's with us. He's, he's fine. He's fine. Okay. So they're in Germany doing the Beatles thing. Doing the Beatles thing. They come back. Lou brings him back. And Lou says, I've, I basically have Coca-Cola on my hands. So why am I going to wait for somebody to invent Pepsi? I'm just going to invent Pepsi. So he decides to start NSYNC to directly compete with his own band that he has. Oh, my God. <laughs> Backstreet Boys comes back. They're starting to get traction. Lou's like, you guys are my guys. You guys are my guys. And in secret, on the, like, he has this thing called B5. And like, all the accounting at Transatlantic Records is the secret project. It's called B5, and that's NSYNC. So he's secretly going around and putting together another group right under the nose of his actual group, who he is 
like the manager of. And so that's when he starts NSYNC. So like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys are like a year staggered, probably like year, year and a half staggered apart. So they, while they're in Germany, he's creating He's creating NSYNC. NSYNC, basically. Okay, we need to unpack why. Because he knew that somebody was going to come and knock off the Backstreet Boys and he just decided like it should just be me. If someone's going to knock me off, I'll just knock myself off and but make double the money. Wasn't it also to keep the Backstreet Boys in line? So that whenever the Backstreet Boys got like, well, we want more money. He's like, I got another, well, I got another band right here. Not at this point, because the Backstreet Boys did not know they existed, but yes. <laughs> but once they did know they existed, Lou Perlman would be like, well, uh, Backstreet Boys, uh, if you don't want to do the Disney Florida holiday show, I mean, NSYNC's just like, they're willing to do it. And so like, he would do it all the time. And like, when I talked Jesus. to the guys, like, like, like AJ and Lance were talking and they were like, they were pitted against, like they hated each other. Like it wasn't like tabloid stuff. Like Lou actually would just pit them. And then, then when they got older, they realized like, oh, they're all being manip- manipulated by this man. Like, <laughs> oh Lou would be like, oh, those NSYNC guys. Oh no, they think you're blah, blah, blah. And he'd be like, oh, the Backstreet Boys, blah, 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 But they blah. never talked to each other. No. Oh my God. Okay. And they're children. They're children. Like and they're teenagers. <laughs> so. B5. B5. They're, so he gets Justin. Justin knows Lance because uh, they have the same vocal coach. And Lance is like three states away. It's this weird like teen singing <laughs> network. It's like dance a little bit where like, you know, like the competitive young dance world. Yeah, they like, meet everybody each other knows at these each other. competitions. So like they, all these kids know each other. And like they're all in the Disney machine. And they all kind of like have connections. So he puts NSYNC together. Um, and because it's Justin and, uh, Lance were both 16, both their moms are there the whole time too, which is why there was a little bit of, which is why there was more issues down the road because they were actually like adults around being like, what's going on? (laughs) Um, so he basically, NSYNC finds out about the back or Backstreet Boys finds out about NSYNC. They freak out. Lou Perlman sends NSYNC to Germany. (laughs) So now they're doing their Germany stuff. (laughs) Um, so Backstreet Boys was 1996 and that was, Five of songs that was We've Got It Going On, I'll Never Break Your Heart, Quit Playing Games With My Heart, um, Get Down Your... Some, some, not, they're not all bangers. They and can't most all be bangers. of them are... How many of them are written by Max Mark? Oh, more than half. More than half. More than half. Okay. Um, and so they hit. So like they're touring Germany with this like weird album that never came out. So it's just like a bunch of weird songs that they had. And like one like Lou Pearlman wrote himself that he would make them sing because he also thought he was a songwriter. Okay. So like he would write them songs too to sing. So like this album's not great. So they get the Max Martin, they come back and then Quit Playing Games With My Heart comes out. And then like the whole world explodes basically. The reason that NSYNC hit is what we were talking about with pitting them uh, together, him pitting the bands against each other. Backstreet Boys had a Disney special that they were going to do, but they were so tired. They had been working like seven days a week. So they were like, Lou, we're not doing this. And so Lou said, fine, NSYNC will do it. So NSYNC does this like Disney TV special. And then Disney reruns this thing like 24 hours a day for six months. And it's tearing up my heart. And like, I want you back. And so that is how NSYNC kind of got catapulted because like Disney beamed them into every home. For like months, so but it was just them waiting in the wings. Yep, and so he basically just waited for the chance for them to hit. So like they might have just had like a mediocre pop album come out after Backstreet Boys, but because Backstreet Boys turned down this Disney special, and Sync was able to swoop in, and then they just hit. And like, because those songs are catchy as all fucking hell, so like they it just it just kind of exploded from there. Are we? I think we need to say if we're Team NSYNC or Team Backstreet Boys. I'm Team NSYNC. Me too. 
I see. I'm team. I'm team In, Backstreet Boys because I believe they're better vocalists. Like Backstreet Boys have the harmonies. Like Backstreet Boys can mm, sing. Those mm. boys can sing. But N Sync are performers. I think that they have the better bops. In Sync. Sync does have the better bop. Well, because they do the more. Da- they're more flashy. They're doing mm. the more dance. They're doing more like kind of moves, and they're more polished. Backstreet Boys is a little more vocal focused because they were first. Right. Because back then, and, when Backstreet and, Boys came out, the biggest thing was boy bands. Boy bands poo. They don't sing live. Blah 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 blah. But Lou's Perlman's whole thing was like, listen to these five guys sing in harmony. Like he actually got real. people who can sing. Yeah. It's for real, and that's why they were able to kind of. That's what separated them from New Kids on the Block and all these other boy bands that had come before them. Is that these these guys actually like sang live? NSYNC comes back. NSYNC's coming out. They got their big hits, and so Lou is just like raking it in in terms of like boy band money. So they are just like touring everywhere, and so he's like, this is great. Let me just come up with more like he was like again and again and again and not really thinking about diminishing returns so he comes up with LFO light funky ones and all these guys are just in his orbit wait 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 wait. LFO stands for light funky ones I believe light funky ones Mm -hmm. yeah I think I think we need to take a second to let that land (laughs) is that real yeah light light funky ones light with a y l y t e Funky, funky F- but also okay. Wait a minute. 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 Their big hit, "Summer Girls." Summer Girls, written by Max Martin? Question mark. Written by Rich Cronin, I believe. The guy who died. The guy who died. Well, two of them are dead. Two of them are dead. Yeah. That's two thirds of them. Yeah, two thirds of LFO's gone. Okay. What? I'm so, we got. We got to <laughs> slow down. This is like I'm getting whiplash here. But the first, literally the first line of the LFO song is. I like girls that wear no. Abercrombie. No. New Kids on the Block had a bunch of hits. New yeah. Kids on the Block had a bunch of hits. Yeah. Chinese food makes me sick. So it's all. And I think it's fine when girls stop by for the summer. For the summer. For the summer. <laughs> yep. But, but, but. So this is like a direct, like. Reference to. To. Yeah. Lou. Yeah. It's all connected. Jesus Christ. And the, the crazy thing about LFO is that this is that, like, they were actually all really talented. Like, the guys who in LFO wrote all of their songs, mm-hmm. but Lou signed them to these horrible deals where they did not get any publishing or retain any rights or any money. So they, like, actually wrote all their songs and stuff and were, and like, still didn't get any. Didn't get any. Okay. But they were, like, actually legitimate. I mean, I don't know. Like, quote unquote. Quote unquote. Yeah. Like, they did their own stuff. They Matt. had one other hit, didn't they? Uh, yes. Girl on the TV Girl on with TV. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because she dated one of them for a she little while. She dated Rich. Yeah, she dated Rich. Died. And then he died. Oh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. My, my ultimate number one childhood crush. Jennifer Love. Jennifer Love Debut Hewitt. film, Sister Act. Debut film, Sister Act. Introducing Jennifer Love. I believe it was just Jennifer it, Love. No, it was Love, it was or, Love Hewitt. It was Love Hewitt. Yeah. <sighs> and she was on Party of Five, right? Yeah. She was. And she was in the, the, that movie uh, House Arrest. Where this kid like locks his his parents, Kevin Pollock mm-hmm. and Jamie Lee Curtis are gonna get a divorce, and so he locks them in the basement. I prefer Heartbreakers. Oh, I think that's Heartbreakers where, is Heartbreakers, I think, is if we're talking J Lo. I mean, and I know what you did last summer. Yeah. Is this a Jennifer Love Hewitt podcast way. now? Because yeah. I can talk about <laughs> I can talk about when she did all those that lifetime show where she played the massage therapist who, who just also gave get happy jobs. endings. Yeah. Kyle list. <laughs> Man. This is the this is the Jennifer Love Hewitt cast, <laughs> the J the J cast. Um. Okay. Wait. 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 Okay. So 
Rich and the rest of LFO, they're not getting publishing rights. No. Because they're not, because even though they're writing the songs, Lou's taking Lou's, them. Lou is giving everybody these contracts and people are just signing them. Including are, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Including Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. And they are the worst contracts that ever existed. So they're called the fifth man, it's called the fifth man or the sixth man contract. Basically, it's like now it's like an industry term because of him. So basically, Lou said that he is the sixth member of every band. So every band that was there he is a full-fledged member of so anything that the backstreet boys split five ways he got that sixth way so he got a cut of like a, a fair cut of every single band's profits that's kit ticket sales touring Merchandise. anything that sales. anything that like justin timberlake made lou perlman made but times five usually times five yeah wait why times five because he would just take the cut from like everybody so everybody would, he's the manager. So he would get the cut from Justin. He'd get the cut from Lance. He'd get the cut from Nick. So like he would get okay. money from so every single transaction. Let's catalog all the ways that Lou Perlman's making money off of. Just just the Backstreet Boys. Just the Backstreet Boys. So he owns the publishing. Mm -hmm. He owns, he's listed as a songwriter, question mark? I don't believe he's listed as a songwriter. Oh, how, what a humble guy. What a humble guy. He owns the publishing. He's their manager. Manager, yes. And he's also a member. He's also a member, and he also owns the record label. He also owns the record label. Yeah. So he's paying himself his own fee. Yes, and then taking all of their money to recoup costs for... For his for for, the for jets running them. That he also owns. Yes, yes. Oh, my God. So he's also saying, like, hey, AJ, I'm taking 10% of your money, but then I'm also charging you 90% to recoup all the costs from me paying for you to be in this band so you don't make any money. So it's, it's slave labor. It's basically. Okay. So can we, can we put it in, in terms of, like, dollars and cents? The Backstreet Boys have this massive album mm -hmm. in 1996, or let's say in the, the next one, right? Yes. It goes, let's look it up real quick. How many times platinum? Very platinum. Extremely platinum. The album was certified 11 times platinum by December 1999, making it the fastest selling album in a year. Okay, great. 11 times platinum in, the, in its first year. In its first year. Okay. Very successful. Listeners, you will have just, you will, we, <laughs> we, we will have just skipped over about 10 minutes where we're trying to figure out how, how many units Backstreet's Back sold and literally couldn't find it which i think is not an accident no i think because like the number doesn't exist it's yeah. like a lot of albums it's a lot of <laughs> they the, sold a lot of records the, they ran out of numbers they ran out okay. of numbers but backstreet's back sells 11 million copies mm -hmm. in its first year yeah the first nsync album is called nsync it was came out in 97 the year after backstreet the first boys. backstreet boys and um, name this some songs uh i want you back tearing up my heart for the girl is everything. You drive me crazy. God must have spent a little more time on you. I drive myself crazy. So it had, this record had eight singles. Goes 11 times platinum in the United States. It, it, it gets certified diamond. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of money. Yes. How much money is, you know, Justin Timberlake or Lance Bass or God forbid Joey Fatone. I know we haven't even said Joey Fatone yet. He's, I mean, he might be. I mean, I don't want to say he might be my favorite. I love Joey Fatone. That dude's hilarious. I saw him in Rent on Broadway. Oh, he's exactly who you think he is. He's the funny. Like, he's like such a weird, like now funny he like knows all. He's friends guy. with Lance Bass like, now. It's hilarious. Like I love Joey Fatone. Um, but, but so, but how much are they seeing? So basically, 
they're seeing not, they're basically getting per diems for this whole, like they start the band, they're rehearsing, they're in Germany, they're coming back. Now they're hit. They're basically getting like $20 a day, uh, just for like living expenses. So Lou Pearlman had, was taking all of his money and he was reinvesting it. He wanted to create like Motown in Orlando. So he basically had transatlantic studios and I've been there. It's a weird little like office park building, but basically all of these bands. So like Backstreet Boys were rehearsing in one room and like NSYNC would be recording vocals in the other room. And, and they're like, not talking to each other. And they're not talking to each other. And then like Innocence, the girl group would be in like another. Innocence is a group run by Justin Timberlake's mom because he wanted to like give her something to do. So she would so, ask so, questions. Basically. So yeah. he was like, so here you're going to run Innocence, my girl group. So it's basically the same formula. He had a Latin group. Um, he had a group called Take Five. Uh, and so basically it's just like a, like a weird boy band Orlando Motown thing happening. So he's like pumping all of his money into this, trying to get as many bands out as possible. And so Backstreet Boys blow up. They're fucking massive. NSYNC comes out. They're just as massive. And so now we have our like, you know, back and forth rivalry thing going and it's pop culture, it's TRL, it's the whole thing. And Lance Bass tells the story that they were touring. They, they, he had been in NSYNC for about like two and a half years. So they'd done the like rehearsal stuff, the per diem, the Germany stuff. And now they're like selling out stadiums like all over the world. And so they're like, great, we need to get paid. So Lou says, hey, you guys, you're finally going to get paid. So Lou, not to fat shame, but he's like a big fat gross man. And so he loves like like Donald Trump New York steak places, you know, like just like Morton's and like just like a like a steakhouse. And so he takes them all to uh, Lowry's in Los Angeles and sets up this like massive table. So it's all of NSYNC. It's all of their parents. It's Johnny Wright. It's uh, his wife, Donna Wright, who is also the Backstreet Boys manager. Um, and so he hands them all these checks. So he puts out little checks on all the table and they open the checks and it's been granted. It's been like two and a half years. They're, wor- they're selling millions of albums. They're selling out stadiums. At this time, they had sold over 10 million records. I was just kind of doing the math in my head, but I kept thinking, okay, if it's just a million dollars, divide that up by five and Lance is going to get $200,000. You start thinking in your head, like, what could it be? Is it six figures? Is it a million dollars? Like, what am I about to, like, fall into right now? My life is about to change. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to get crazy. A lot of money now? This is going to be nuts. I was on cloud nine. I was on top of the world at that point. I mean, we thought it was as big as we could possibly get. I open up the envelope. I see the check. And, oh, my gosh. Like my heart sunk and I I couldn't believe the number I was looking at. The reaction from everybody when they saw their checks was just astonishment. The check was $10,000. And not to sound ungrateful, because $10,000 is a lot of money. But when you compare it to how many hours that we had put in to this group for years, it didn't even touch minimum wage at all. NSYNC, at, so when you're at home watching TRL and like NSYNC is like hitting number one, like the amount of money they're making is like 10 grand, 10, 20 grand. Like they're making- Over the course of two years. Over the course of two and a half years. This is the only time they get paid. They get paid like $20 per diem per day and then that's it, nothing else. They got to live for free technically, even though he was using their money to pay for the house that they lived in for free. But he even made them pay for the dinner that he gave them the checks at. But they didn't know that. But it's that recoup thing, like recoupables with like the music industry. So like they didn't know that at this expensive dinner, he was expensing to them. And they're like, thank you, Lou, for this amazing dinner. (laughs) Oh, my God. So Lance Bass rips up the check at the table. Like everyone's furious. And that's when they decide that they're going to like, they have to like do, they need to sue him or something that their contracts are like 
bunk and they had somebody look at the contracts and they so someone told them that it's the worst record contract they've ever seen ever like that he made them sign like they are so predatory like they're like taught in schools now basically as like warnings <laughs> so like don't ever sign this record contract nikki deloche said that like she's the only one that we talked to who actually had an entertainment lawyer and the entertainment lawyer told her if you sign this contract you will never work again and she was so desperate to be a part of this like pop culture machine that she was like i signed it and like he screwed over for years like she was not able to make any money at all i truly don't even know who she is so well if you turn on the uh lifetime network or the hallmark channel she's doing a lot of those movies now so like she's like she was on that um what's that show awkward remember that show awkward no it was on like abc it was very popular for like four years she was on that for a little while but Mm. she wasn't able to work for like 10 years she had to move across the country and like she went to school and like her husband was in take five and they weren't able to work because any money even if they worked at like the grocery store like their contract said like they could not do anything without having to pay Lou Pearlman so they whoa, had to, whoa, 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 whoa. So, so they, they couldn't have a side not job? the side job but they basically couldn't have any job in entertainment so they basically had to leave the industry because any entertainment job they would have to pay him part of their as the, as like his man like they could not get out of the contracts so okay because they wouldn't sign NDAs so okay so let's say Justin Timberlake gets cast in a movie mm-hmm while he's still working for Lou Lou Roman. He still has to pay Lou his manager fee. I believe so. At least the Innocence contracts they did. With the girl group they did. I assume the boy bands did too. Holy shit. So he owned them. Yeah, these contracts are like, and like he he basically felt that like, I'm picking you out of nowhere. So any success that you have in your entire life is literally owed to me. So you owe me. That's not even true though. Like Justin was already on... Star Search and Mickey Mickey Mouse Mouse Club. Club. Yeah, but... And he's and he's trying to get away with paying them five thousand dollars a year plus food and yeah. beverage. Yeah, and like hotel rooms and like tour bus living. But, and they're paying. And they're but paying they're for paying that paying anyway. For yeah. Un. Yeah. God so it's like it's and he's just taking all of that money, like just just eating it. It's delicious. So they realize that they. So is it's at this point that they realize that they have to sue Lou. Yes. We decided to have a basketball game for charity. It was a little after party that took place at the hotel. Nick Carter, Brian, Justin Timberlake, and JC wanted to go to McDonald's to eat. And on the way to McDonald's, I kept hearing, Lou and Lou said this and Lou said that. The next day I get on a bus with the Backstreet Boys and Brian gets on the bus and he goes, guess what everybody, Lou's been lying to us. And Brian was livid over this. He basically said, guys, this is what's up. I wanna file a lawsuit. Within sync, we needed to figure out how to either fix it so it's a more fair deal or get rid of Lou altogether. So, yeah, so basically this check presentation happens and NSYNC realizes, like, they have to get out of their contract. And the Backstreet Boys are realizing the exact same thing as are all of his bands. There's sort of like a domino fall where all the bands realize, like, oh, shit, we're not making any money and even though they're not talking to each other it's just like is becoming like they've been famous for too long too long i mean it's that thing like you play a sold out stadium and then you go home and you look at your bank account and you're like i can't afford to eat or pay rent but i'm the most famous person in the world how does this make sense and so like eventually it just caught up to everybody and they were like wait like this is like we can't do this so they all like got their lawyers and they all kind of started looking at like we have to sue lou we have to sue lou we have to figure out how to sue lou is basically what they all kind of decided independently of each other and it's that thing where had they all talked to each other they could have all probably banded together and like 
gotten out of everything, but everyone had to approach their own lawsuits with him separately and by themselves and each had different outcomes. Like the Backstreet Boys had to give him cuts of like four or five of their next albums to get out of their contract. Like, yeah, so Lou Proman's making money forever. He did the same thing to NSYNC, only when NSYNC decided to uh, sue Lou Proman to get out of their contract, he countersued them and basically said, I'm suing you for everything you are because... I invented NSYNC. NSYNC is Lou Pearlman. Like, I am the sixth member of this band, and you are nobody without me. And so I am the band. I am the name. I am the songs. You are not. And so he sued NSYNC in federal court, basically, for their name, their likeness, their song, everything, as NSYNC was suing him to get out of their contract. Holy shit. Is this why these bands actually broke up? Yes, uh, it, it not officially, but yeah, at some point. Well, NSYNC is, was more because of Justin Timberlake, but Backstreet Boys... Yeah, because I was well, going to ask that, because there's like the Justin narrative that's pretty pervasive. Yeah, Backstreet Boys is actually still together. <laughs> they they actually never broke up. Um, but yeah, NSYNC, the thing with Justin was, they NSYNC had had their first two albums. They did their No Strings Attached. It was huge. And then Justin was like, I want to go do a solo career, and then we'll come back and do another album. And then he went and did a solo career. And, and, and it, it kind never of, stopped. And he said, hey, guys. Yeah. Not, it's, I think I'm... She's a little push of love, girl. Yeah, like, I don't think I want to split everything six ways anymore. I'm Justin Timberlake. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do... A, so, okay. Bef- this, is, this is unlike anything we've ever done before with our two-part episodes. Let's do a quick preview okay. of the things to come in the fall of Lou Pearlman. The fall of Lou Pearlman. Okay. Should we just name General Crimes? Sure. Next week on Lyrics Next. for Lunch. Next week on Lyrics for Lunch, our song is going to be the Lou, the Lou Pearlman Go, f- go, go Fuck Yourself, fuck yourself anthem. anthem. Bye, bye, bye. Fuck yeah. From the, album, is- from the album, No Strings Attached. Oh. Because. Such a fucking banger. Yep. And we're going to hear about some crimes. We're going to hear about some crimes. We're going to hear about some frauds. We're going to hear about some inappropriate relationships. We're going to hear about airline crimes. So Lindsay wasn't super far off when she said he was like the catch me if you can guy. 150%. We're going to hear about Chippendales. (laughs) We're going to hear about uh, paying off the attorney general potentially. We're going to hear about um, a modeling business scam. We're going to hear about a downtown renovation project that ended up almost leaving the city of Orlando bankrupt. Um, and we're going to learn, we're going to learn, uh, uh, when he goes on the run, we're going to, there's going to be a international chase. Oh my God. Um, okay. Oh, it's going to be everything. So thank you for joining us, Matt. <laughs> what song should we go out on this week? I would say summer girls just out of respect oh. for rich and, you know, RIP. Yeah. Pour one out. New kids on the block did have a did bunch, have a bunch of, of hits. hits. I still know every word of that song. Which is funny because I loved that song when I was younger, and then I realized I was like, "Wait, LFO is too pearl, <laughs> light funky ones, light TRL top ones. top ten hit makers." So tune in next week for the downfall of Lou Pearlman. You'll hear all about those crimes and more. Of, I probably forgot more. some. Um, and where can people find us on the internet, Lindsay? Find us on the internet at Lyrics for Lunch on Instagram and Twitter. And for longer and weirder stuff, drop us a line at lyricsforlunch at gmail.com. Make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It's the best way to never miss an episode. Tell your friends. Check us out on on the gram and the twits. And, Y'all don't uh, have a TikTok? We don't have a TikTok yet. You, don't have, a, you have a YouTube? Lindsay has forgotten her TikTok password. <laughs> so you just threw the phone away? <laughs> well... 
Let's see. How many unread TikToks do I have? <laughs> Probably a lot. <laughs> I, I use Lindsay's TikTok inbox for episode ideas. I have 59 TikToks. Fewer than my unread. Okay. And until next week, I'm Aviv Rubenstein. I'm Lindsay Tucker. And I'm Matt Ducey. Saying bye. 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 Pay me the big bucks. She's been gone since that summer. Since yeah. that summer. Cherry pants, cold crush, rock stud boogie. Used to hate school, so I had to play hooky. Always been hip to the b-boy style. Known to act wild and make a girl smile. Love new addition in a candy girl. Remind me of you because you rock my world. You come from Georgia where the peaches grow. They drink lemonade and speak real slow. You love hip-hop and rock and roll. Dad took off when you were four years old. There was a good man named Paul Revere. I feel much better, baby, when you're near. You love fun dip and cherry coke. I like the way you laugh when I tell a joke. When I met you, I said my name is Rich. You look like a girl from Abercrombie and Fitch. New kids on the block had a bunch of hits. Chinese food makes me sick. And I think it's fly when girls stop by for the summer. For the summer. I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. I take her if I had one wish. She's been gone since that summer, since that summer. In the summertime, girls got it going on. Shake and wiggle to a hip-hop song. Summertime girls are the kind I like. I steal your honey like I stole your bike. Boogaloo shrimp and pogo sticks. My mind takes me back there oh so quick. Let you off the hook like my man Mr. Limpin'. Think about that summer and I bug cause I miss it. Like the color purple macaroni and cheese. Ruby red slippers in a bunch of trees. Call you up, but what's the use? I like Kevin Bacon, but I hate Footloose. Came in the door, I said it before. Think I'm over you, but I'm really not sure. When I met you, I said my name is Rich. You look like a girl from Abercrombie and Fitch. New kids on the block had a bunch of hits. Chinese food makes me sick. And I think it's fly when girls stop by for the summer. For the summer. I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. I take her if I had one wish. She's been gone since that summer, since that summer In the summer girls come and summer girls go Summer worthwhile and summer so-so Summer girls come and summer girls go Summer worthwhile and summer so-so Summertime girls got it going on Shake and wiggle to a hip-hop song Summertime girls are the kind I like I steal your honey like I stole your bike New kids on the block had a bunch of hits Chinese food seems to be sick I think it's fly when girls stop by for the summer, for the summertime. I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fish. I think if I had one wish, she's been gone since that summer, since that summer.